I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real-world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Welcome, 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 folks. Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. Looking forward to introducing you to a very special guest, Scott McNabb. Scott is a VP of Sales for Oracle Marketing Cloud. Scott and I met a couple weeks ago at a conference here in St. Louis. And I'm very excited about the uh, sharing his message with you today. Um, Scott, can you take a minute and introduce yourself in a, a sentence or two? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. Thanks for having me. I am thrilled to death to be a part of the, the show today. Um, as Jason mentioned, I'm Scott McNabb. I run the uh, the newest and fastest growing SaaS uh, application service in the Oracle framework called the Oracle Marketing Cloud represents about $5 billion worth of technology investments uh, focused for uh, Oracle on the, the unique challenges of the marketer. Scott, you you know, Scott and I met at this conference. I really liked the, uh, the session he gave and wanted the audience to hear this. And one of the things that you talked about there, Scott, was executive confidence or maybe lack thereof in marketing today. Uh, I think that's a good framework for the rest of our conversation. Can you, can you expound upon that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, Jason. So um, again, shout out to all the marketers in the crowd. I know you're, you all struggle every day with what Jason is describing. Um, you know, CEOs express consistently a lack of confidence um, in sort of several core business functions, marketing being one, 77, according to Gartner, 77, 77% of marketers uh, are using awareness as their measure of effectiveness. So marketers are mistaking engagement for, uh, you know, old school conversion metrics. And, um, and then they're surprised when they don't have sort of evidence of marketing's performance, performance against revenue targets. And uh, so this is this makes it a very challenging conversation to have at the boardroom level, because how do I prove, um, you know, marketing impact and ask for more budget and ask for more heads and all those kinds of things when I don't have when I'm using things like engagement as the core metric uh, for conversion. So help me understand and maybe I'm a little slow here, but help me understand some of the metrics that people might be using that you would consider engagement versus uh, conversion or as close to revenue kind of metrics as, as you can. Yeah, Jason, I think the, the alarming trend is that marketers are still hanging their hat on old school metrics like email open rates and conversion rates and website visits and on the B2C side, heaven forbid, things like increase in Facebook likes and uh, number of tweets and impressions and uh, you know, ad conversions. And unfortunately, it just doesn't give the marketer the kind of foundational metrics that they would need to prove value in, in a world that's moving extraordinarily fast. Um, the, the technology is changing around us so quickly from a marketing perspective, marketers can't keep up. And, right. and they're surprised when they can't, um, you know, sort of command a significant, uh, uh, you know, influx as, uh, when it comes to budget and things of that nature. So this is like the $10,000 question for marketers though, right? Isn't it, how do I prove causation? I can do, 
I can do tons of different marketing activities and throw, you can name every marketing activity you, you've ever thought of. And how do I know that that actually had an impact on revenue is, is the $10,000 question. You're suggesting that, that that's possible, that they, marketers can get closer to that. Yeah. And in fact, my, my dad used to say that the further away you get from revenue, the larger the target on your back becomes. And the reason why CMOs are notoriously, uh, you know, notoriously have a, a tenure inside of the 22 month uh, range is because that, that causation is incredibly difficult, but getting a lot easier now with some of the new sort of convergence of ad tech and martech uh, that exists in the, in the marketing framework, you know, conversion metrics for the marketer, you know, get them closer and closer to the revenue sort of target and, and being able to manage against funnel, both on the B2B side for a funnel and conversion on the B2C side, all the way through to opportunity conversion, um, noting all engagements along the way. So being able to track where a buyer entered and left the buying process. At what stage did we influence their um, their acquisition decision, right? Their purchase decision. Um, at what place did they, you know, were they influenced by this email campaign? But were they? Can we attribute their buy to to a uh, you know visit to a trade show and things of that nature? All that's now possible. Um, and for the marketer, this is the place where they've been drowning for years. So it sounds a little bit like a panacea. I, I gotta, I, so I'm going to push back a little bit and ask you to peel back the layers on a possible discussion. Um, help us understand what makes that possible. Well, I think the first thing is that marketers are forevermore um, drowning in a sea of activity. And now with the ability to combine data sets that did not exist before or were, were served by multiple different parts of the enterprise to bring together the notion of first, second, and third party data from an audience perspective. And just for the listeners, you know, first party we think of as traditional offline or CRM type data, past purchase history, things like that. Second party data is data I might share with partners that live within an ecosystem that I uh, live within. So, you know, JetBlue and, um, you know, uh, your Barclays card who white label your JetBlue credit card, that data is shared between those two companies. Second party data and then third party data is what we might think of as the anonymous or unique visitor uh, propensity data. What things you do online, what things you don't, what's your demographic, psychographic profile, that sort of thing. And so, when you say panacea, actually, technology now allows us to weave together these first, second and third party data sets to really give the marketer the power to not just use, you know, traditional things like list builds and, and email groups and, you know, contacts that we want to communicate with and then display is a whole different thing. Now, these things are all coming together for the marketer in a way that's never existed in history. I see. So. As a marketer, I have all these tools at my disposal now, and as a, a chief marketing officer, someone leading a, a large marketing team, I, you know, I should have the ability to go to the boardroom table and be a business person and not a, hey, a, a billboard looker <laughs> or, or something similar. How do I, so how do I take that message and get that seat at the table and, and keep it 
Right. Well, and I think it's a great question. I think the, the what we hear is that CMOs um, are pushed away from the boardroom table when they don't speak in terms that the CMO or sorry, the CEO um, really embraces. Right. We tend to use very brand centric terms as marketers. We don't tend to describe what I call the ICP, right, the ideal customer experience and build lookalike models, so to speak, that say, look, I need to find buyers that feel like this and look like this because we know empirically that uh, the conversion rates are much higher when we get to the, this kind of buyer with this kind of message. We've not had that capability before. And, and it all starts with sort of digital personas, right? So when we're speaking in terms that really the CEO can think about that has to do with, again, revenue focused targets. And if I can convert at a, this kind of percent, or if I can have this kind of funnel velocity or increase my reach for my total addressable market, these are terms that a CEO gets because it's really all about resources, um, you know, commitment and engagement tied to a money conversion event versus, hey, if you'll give me a little more money, then I can you know, increase my Facebook likes so we'll get a lot more audience. That's a brand centric focus where CEOs really need to be guided through a demand centric discussion. So I've heard marketers and I've met with CEOs who don't necessarily get this whole marketing concept. Um, that's kind of putting it nicely. Um, yeah. A lot of CEOs, let's, let's just say that there are very few CEOs in my world that think of themselves as marketers or think of themselves as digital or kind of even have a clue about social media. So almost a clueless CEO. How do you, as a CMO, how do you work with that? Yeah, I think or, before you answer that, let me, yeah. let me interrupt. Are you seeing the same thing or am I putting, am I casting dispersions on, you know, great leaders of great companies because I don't understand them? <laughs> no, I, th I think it's an apples and hand grenades discussion, right? I mean, you've got CMOs that speak brand and demand and you've got CEOs that, that speak day sales outstanding and, you know, revenue performance. And the, the two have very different functions, but to use your term, I don't want to cast dispersions across any group, any group because they do have their own function. But I think the CMO is in a unique position to guide the CEO um, through a discussion. I mean, look, Gartner says that 80 percent of CEOs have little to no trust in their marketers. And it also says that, you know, 73 percent say that CMOs lack business credibility because of the core challenges that we're talking about here, right? Um, I think if the CMO would get better at demonstra demonstrating how things like cross-channel marketing strategies and, and the campaigns that they run and deploy and how their organization is set up to sort of catch more leads and, and do more conversions and, and uh, things of that nature, if they were able to describe those things in revenue-centric terms for the CEO, you might find that he or she may perk up and, and give more credibility to the marketing function. You got to think about it. The CFO has ERP and, and an accounting system that describes their, their aging and DSO and all these kinds of cool things. And the chief revenue officer's got, you know, their total, their total deals closed and how, you know, how much the average order value was and, and uh, the win rates and things of that nature. Heretofore, marketing's just not had a lot of credible technology 
um, to really boost their credibility within the, the framework of the organization. And the CEO was the first one to say, look, come back and talk to me when you've got something empirical that I can tie to money and I can go take to the board to get you more money. In other words, if I if I as a marketer approach those CEOs, then in my mind I'm thinking, dude's clueless, just doesn't get this stuff. If I approach him speaking his language, in terms of dollars and cents, in terms of organizational velocity and time to value, and some of these kind of things, that's something they will understand. I'm likely to get a little bit more buy-in. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly the um, where many CMOs that are really kicking to to use your Hardway MBA example, really kicking ass in the space right now, are the ones that are really getting solid about building a framework for helping the CEO, um, you know, put some markers in place that describe marketing success. Um, you know, I, I think about the examples of of disaster. This Michael Francis guy, who was the CMO at Target. He, he came over to, to uh, J.C. Penney's and was really put in charge with the notion of, of turning the company around. And, and, you know, after spending a significant amount of money and yet not describing the value of marketing and actually seeing a 20 percent decline in, her, in his business, he was shown the door pretty quickly because the CEO really didn't have any way to support or defend um, you know, what was in theory some really good and amazing work, right? In the retail space, they, they were doing some, some really interesting and unique things in retail that the guy didn't get credit for because he, there was just not a successful bridge between the CMO's office and the CEO's support. Yeah. So marketers tend to work with a bunch of different parts of the organization. I think when, when marketing is done well, you're you know, you've got touch points with technology. So the IT group, a lot more of them now than ever before. You've got touch points with R&D, depending on what kind of industry you're in. Those could be very heavy. Uh, certainly touch points around uh, operations to understand how how it's going to work so they can put all that together. How does how does a CMO or, or folks within the marketing department Go about those those internal conversations with different lines of business to to get every line of business thinking about this in a way that's helpful for marketing. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually use your your vernacular from last time we spoke. I mean, I think the reality is that CMOS have to start backwards from customer centricity, right? If you get just a passionate you know customer centric focus within the organization and help educate the stakeholders within the organization about what's possible and begin with a revenue target and work your way backward to the tactics you know in general as i talk to ceos i you know i hear them stating that you know marketers are focused way too much on on the latest marketing trends like social and things of that nature and they really rarely speak in terms of revenue generation focus and so they've got to, CMOs have got to get better at describing to the lines of, of business in business terms that describe marketing's contribution to revenue. And, and the tactic or the technique becomes sort of the, the fourth in the line of discussion. Where we're trying to get to is where we got to start with and then work backwards to the technology and the tactics and the techniques that we use um, to, to, you know, I think many marketers got in the space to be arts and crafts marketers, right? What I call brand marketers. What we're really looking for is to, is to create a whole new 
uh, sort of generation of marketers that are really focused on the scientific empirical focus, not giving up on the art of marketing because there is an art to it. Yet today we just we don't have the latitude to um, to really get the kind of credibility we're looking for if we focus on the art and not focus on the the science. And uh, and that's where we're really seeing in the Oracle Marketing Cloud uh, our business explode is is really applying that scientific model to the way marketing engages with the business. So I I want you to and, and I don't I want to hesitate here I'm I'm hesitating here because I'm going to give you an opportunity to do a little product pitch but I don't want to hear a product pitch um, and I know it's what you do but at the same time I, I know it's not what you do um, so the the Oracle market you mentioned the Oracle marketing cloud and why you're seeing growth there is because of of ad tech and martech really coming together help us I mean those terms are are pseudo familiar to some of us but. Unpack that a little bit. What do you what do you mean by ad tech? What do you mean by martech? And what do you mean by pulling them together? Yeah, so so in most organizations, and I'm going to try to avoid a product pitch as best as I can. But in most organizations, um, marketing technology is things like email marketing and marketing automation and all those engagement mechanisms that you might think of as outbound against a named visitor. I know Jason by name. His email address is Jason dot whatever at whatever dot com. I'm going to engage with him and I'm going to watch him. I'm going to observe his behavior. I'm going to score his behavior um, and I'm going to have sales engage with him when he starts acting like a buyer. That technology has existed for years. Um, on the other side of the house in many organizations in completely different parts of the organization is the, the ad tech side, which is really the traditional display. Um, you know, what you might think of as the ads that follow you around when you go to different websites because you expressed an interest in something you saw on Amazon. And then weirdly enough, two days later, you know, a display ad pops up trying to sell you the one thing that you just looked at three days ago. Historically, those unique visitors, right, not the name visitors, the ad tech part of the business has, has generally been completely separate from the MarTech side of the business. Um, Oftentimes, the ad tech side was run by advertising agencies and various different digital agencies um, to engage people across audiences that the agency was responsible for, for bringing together. With the explosion of advertising technologies, and Oracle's probably spent over $4 billion uh, in the course of the last three years to really grow our portfolio around these advertising technologies, um, largely because what the marketer wants is a way to bring together two silos that were historically separate, the unique visitor engagement and the named visitor engagement, which you might think of as, as CRM type contact data. Um, those two things together is what has caused this explosion within Oracle and others, Salesforce and Adobe, they've all made massive investments in the last two, three years um, to really address a part of the marketplace that, that was historical, historically very tactical in nature. And so bringing this together really gives the, the CMO a completely different visual um, to engage the buyer, whether they are known or unique. Um, even things like, you know, bringing together, again, audiences that look like a buyer. So now the ability for the CMO to say, OK, we built personas that say if it looks like a duck and acts like a duck and walks like a duck, it's probably somebody in market for this product or service. That technology is clearly in existence today, and it changes the way the marketer thinks, right? Changes the way they engage with the buyer. It changes the content they create. It really gives them a way to even 
um, pick out the content that is going to be most highly performant against the way the buyer is acting. Um, this is the way I expect. I, I spoke at University of Cincinnati the other day to a group of seniors, marketing seniors, and I told them about this whole idea of what if we could engage a buyer where they live based on the uh, knowledge of that they're buying at Lululemon and that they have a Fitbit and they have a Nike chip. If I could run campaigns that had knowledge of all that, wouldn't that be interesting? And, and one of the 21-year-olds literally raised her hand and said, I thought we could always do that. And I, <laughs> I had to chuckle and say, you don't realize that didn't exist until a handful of years ago, all in one place for a CMO without having 19 different line items of budget that they had to go spend with agencies and consulting firms and you know uh, email marketing agencies and all that. Having all that together for the marketer, I think, is what's caused the explosion. Yeah, and at the center of that, you talked about the, some of the technology, but some of the technology is really a secondary or tertiary. It's a tool that lets you accomplish those things, right? Yeah, we like to say, Jason, that it's got to be uh, it's got to be tactics and techniques and technology last, right? Because the problem is, is that what you don't want for the buyer is for the technology to get in the way of the experience, right? right? Nobody likes to think that Amazon is watching what I do online and engage with me in a creepy way, right? Nobody likes creepy. But now I just expect that they know me well enough to serve me the things that I care enough about to engage, right? That they know me well enough to, to make offers that I'm going to care about. It's just assumed by the buyer and the up and coming millennial is going to assume that you know a lot more than than we know today about someone you know your age or my age yeah. and so um it is expected now that um the technology is going to be an assumed and yet you know the cmos that are drowning in the technology you know ibm says that by the year 2020 that the cmo will have access to more technology budget than the cio does and that just is mind boggling for the average CIO who's like, oh, my gosh, I can see the marketer lining up at my door asking me to get involved in 10 different technology decisions. And uh, and they want my support and they want my help. So it's critical that we be able to describe as the marketer, um, you know, how this technology is going to be applied as tactic and technique. You know, something you said there uh, really it strikes an interesting juxtaposition of the previous part of the conversation where, you know, proficient historically being a, an IT provider. We talk, I talk to a lot of CIOs um, and CIOs talk about serving the business a lot. Um, CMOs are often a big part of that business these days. Interestingly, CMOs are in a similar place that CIOs are in that they haven't historically had the business language to really, you know, make their business case. So we've got these two factions of a business, the, the marketing folks and the IT folks, neither of whom historically have this real deep business uh, – I mean, what's the – dollars and cents kind of business uh, framework that they work from. And they're teaming up more and more to make major impacts to the top line of a business. Right. Um, do you see, so as, as I lay that out there and I haven't had this thought, we haven't talked about this before. So, you know, we're waiting in the uncharted waters. That's okay. Let's, let's just go. Um, it, to me, that sounds like a problem. Like it sounds like, 
almost, and I, I'm apologizing to all my CIO friends and all my CMO friends, I, I, but almost the blind leading the blind in some ways. Um, it sounds like we need some education in these ranks. Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, it's it's interesting that you'd say it that way, Jason, because I've always thought that, again, if by 2020 the CMO is going to have more marketing budget than the CIO, then these guys should be best friends in theory, yeah. because both of them, if they do it well, if they tie to the right faction, to the right financial return for the organization, for the business, the CIO and the CMO, instead of seeing themselves as at completely different odds, one's art and one's science, right, um, in theory should should join forces, uh, become in league with each other to prove even that the technology, all like these days ROI is really interesting and yet people are starting to not believe ROI anymore. So it becomes a trite and overused term that even the CIO is getting tired of using because nobody believes ROI. The marketer wants ROI, but that gets them back to zero from a money perspective. Marketers are now in a position to prove revenue performance against marketing engagement, marketing spend, and the CIO should be joining in that business justification sort of value prop. Right. If they did it well together, then both of them could drive more uh, more budget for marketing and, and be tied to a more credible bordering position um, by by sort of joining that. You know, they're super friends. Right. They're in league. Yeah. And uh, so shape of a marketer. Right. And form of a CIO. At the end of the day, if they're doing it well and doing it together instead of being at opposite ends of the spectrum and, and CIOs thinking, well, these marketers are just. It's a it's a man. It's a uh, something we have to have. And the CIOs thought of, well, we have to have this to run our business if they join together. Um, I think there's I think there's a play there. Yeah. And I don't know what you're seeing in the market right now, but, uh, you know, despite what I said a minute ago, I see a lot of CIOs and CMOs that do get it, that are looking at return on capital organizational velocity, um, you know, how speed to market and thinking about some of these things as a, uh, a critical of their business and B, not replacing return on investment, investment, but a way to solidify that that return on investment that they're looking for is, is on its way because we're getting there quickly and we're adjusting as we go. Right. Well, and I, I think in theory, the CIO should see the CMO's office as the highest velocity turnover from a, 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 a sort of performance to revenue perspective. Yeah. They should see the CMO as having the ability to offer the highest velocity proof point. I mean, ERP takes years to prove. CRM, same thing. Um, you know, back in the day, the CRM guys were promising a 19 month ROI on your spend. And, you know, the guys at Deloitte suggest that some of those still haven't happened. That was four years ago. I would think that the CIO and the CMO, when, when joining forces, should see marketing engagement with the buyer as the highest velocity and yet easily, most easily empirically uh, described, um, you know, sort of performance against revenue technology that exists in the enterprise. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just it's so easy to prove now because we do have all these points of engagement. And I know every time a buyer goes to the website, I know every time they engage with me socially and I can prove that to 
again, attribute to a revenue conversion or a lead to a deal or whatever, B2B versus B2C, I've got the best, fastest way to prove money return on technology. And the CIO should should see that as a, as a great sort of a, um, a launching pad for that. Yeah, I completely agree. So, you know, we, we've kind of meandered around a little bit here, Scott. I want to come back to, to something very tangible and tactical. You know, my audience um, is all about the corporate hustler, uh, folks that are working their ass off, as, as you mentioned, to, to get a job done. Um, sometimes they're high-level C-suite folks. I think most of the time they're individual contributors, managers, and, and directors that are climbing that corporate ladder. Um and looking for what can they do, what can they do tomorrow, today, that's going to impact their business? What advice do you give to those folks in this world to, you know, uh, tactically take action on right now that's going to help them improve? Yeah, I think in general terms, and I've talked to, I know literally nine guys that are CMOs, nine individuals that are CMOs right now today. And when I met them four years ago or before that, even that were marketing managers and what they did, I think uniquely that, that others don't is first off, they thought through how the technology and the techniques and the tactics, how they could build out their personal brand, right? So how can I use these things to build my personal brand and then how do we build the credibility of our department? And then how do we how do we have the department impact the revenue for the company and have all conversations that they're engaging with the lines of business and the stakeholders all focus around the metrics that matter to the CEO? So I think the first really important thing is know how this impacts your personal life, because at the end of the day, we're all doing this because we want to grow. And if they're butt kickers and they want to grow quickly, they'll tie themselves to a project that is insanely well documented as far as its success criteria, the metrics that matter to the CEO is the first place to start. So I think I think tangible tangible and tactical starts with the CMO or the VP of marketing or whoever it is that's listening today, with them starting by gaining agreement within the organizations as to the metrics that matter, right? If the company's banking on increasing Facebook likes by 40%, that's not a way to grow from marketing manager to CMO, right? I need something that's tangible to use your your outline, you know, tangible, tangible and tactical is, all right, well, let's start with the metrics that matter. Is it revenue performance against a conversion event? Is it uh, you're going to hold me to a um, uh, conversion metric from funnel velocity? So stuff that goes in the top versus stuff that comes out the bottom. Um, you know, what are the metrics you're going to hold me to? And if you're holding me to open rates and, and click-through rates and number of leads I pass to sales, again, the target on your back gets really, really large. So let's start with the ideal customer experience and work backwards from a revenue discussion um, to the metrics or the, uh, the tactics and techniques that matter. Most marketers that fail, I think, it's because they don't have the swagger uh, because they're not building their business on metrics that are that are again, going to get the attention of the CEO. Yeah, that's great advice. Scott, what's your favorite business book? We'll just wrap up with that. This is a final question for all my guests. You know, I got a couple that I really, really love. You know, I just, I was actually involved in the, in the protocol for the, what later became the challenger sale book. 
Um, and the follow on to that is relatively, I think it's six or eight months out now. It's called the Challenger Customer. So I, I think of it, the Challenger Customer book as, as really the you know, Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation for the, the seller and, and uh, for the business person. Uh, also a big fan of anything that Malcolm Gladwell produces these days. I mean, going all the way back to the uh, Outliers book, uh, he's just got such a great vision and a great uh, sort of way to think outside the box for business. And uh, so big fans of both of those. Awesome. <laughs> Scott, thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And uh, good luck to all the marketers listening today. And uh, find me on Twitter at Scott McNabb, S-C-O-T-T-M-C-N-A-B-B. I'd love to get to know you more.
listening to this episode of the Hardway MBA. Look us up on Twitter at Hardway MBA. Our website's hardwaymba.com. Facebook, LinkedIn, we've got groups everywhere. If you don't guess we should be talking to, please make an introduction. Nothing says thank you to me like referring this podcast to your friends. Drop a link to them. Let them know they should listen. Thank you so much.